Okay, we're in chapter uh, 9, and we did the first five verses. Uh, up to now, we saw that Elisha has designated one of his disciples to go over to Ramot Gilad and anoint a new king over the kingdom of Israel. His name is Yehusad of Nimshi. And that's what we left off the, uh, the lad of the prophet. His name is Yonah. That's what the sages teach us. Here he's just referred to as Hadnavi or Hadnar. And he does just that. He goes to Ramot Gilad and he comes upon the officers of the army sitting there in the special officer's room. And Yehu ben Nimshi is amongst them. He's going to be the new king. He doesn't know it. And the prophet goes to the room and he says, listen, I have a message for you, officer. And Yehu doesn't know it's for him. He says, which one of us? He says, for you. And he's referred to as Hasar, as the officer. And then we will learn out that Yehu is the head of the army. He's above everybody else there. And it's likely that a rebellion will come from the head of the army because he has the, 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 uh, the ability to pull off a rebellion if he can get the army on his side. If we recall Omri, he was also the head of the army of Ella, son of Basha. He also pulled off a coup against his uh, king. And many times you'll see in history that the, the rebellion can come from, from the army because if you get the army on your side, you have a good chance of succeeding. So this here too, Yehu ben Nimshi, as the head of the Jewish army, he's going to be the one to lead a rebellion against the present regime of Yehu, son of Ahab. Okay, so what happens in verse 6? So the prophet says, Yehu, I want to speak to you. So he got up and they went into the house. That is, they go into an inner room, which is what Elisha told Yoda to do. Bring him into an inner room so nobody sees this. It'll just be between him and you. And you, and he poured the oil on his head. And he said to him, so says the Lord, Yisrael, the God of Israel, I have anointed you as king over the Lord's people, El Yisrael, over Israel. And there it is, just like that, Yehu ben Nimshi has been anointed. In this very modest ceremony here, just between him and the prophet, he's been anointed officially as the new king of Israel. And now Yonah, the, the, the lad of Elisha, goes into it a little more, a lot more, he elaborates on what he is charging, what charge he imposes on Yehu. What is Yehu supposed to do as king of Israel? You're supposed to strike the house of Ahab, Adonecha, your master. And that's not a simple thing. The house of Ahab is the Adon, is the master of Yehu. After all, he's serving in the army of King Yoram, and he's going to have to rebel against his master. And usually that's not a nice thing. It's called treason, but... Here, Hashem is authorizing it. The prophet is saying, no, no, it's okay, it's legitimate. I want you to do it. And why? You've got to avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets. And the blood of all the Lord's servants from Jezebel. You remember Jezebel? She was slaughtering the prophets of God. She hasn't been punished yet. The house of Ahab hasn't been punished yet. You are anointed to do that. Punish those murderers of my prophets, the house of Ahab and Jezebel. And then he continues in the prophecy, verse 8, And the entire house of Ahab you shall wipe out, you're going to make them perish. And I will cut off from Ahab all 
mashtin bakir. And literally that means all urinators on the wall. They're all going to be wiped out, all the urinators on the wall. Well, that's that's the um, literal Hebrew, if I translate it into English. So usually in English, it will be translated as either males or dogs. Those are the two types of creatures that can urinate on a wall. And it's just a way of saying that everybody's getting wiped out. And it's kind of a vulgar term, but that's purposeful to kind of shock um, us that it's going to be a total decimation of everybody. Atzurva Azuv Israel. Not only the males, but also everything that's Atzurva Azuv. And that's, some say, go on the property of Ahab, the stuff that's un- immovable, the, the land, his land, his uh, assets will be wiped out, and the Azuva, the things that are free, or maybe um, the assets that are liquid. In any case, everything's going to be wiped out. And we had that exact terminology when we wiped out the house of Yerovam ben Nevat, exactly word for word. So if you want to uh, go into what all that means, this curse here in chapter in verse 8, you can go to what I said in chapter 14, verse 10 in Kings 1, when Yerovam ben Nevat had his kingdom wiped out. Then I got into a little more what Atsur Azuv is. In any case, the prophet continues with his charge upon Yehu, what he imposes upon Yehu to do. I want you to make the house of Ahab like the house of Yeravam ben Avat and like the house of Basha ben Achia and like the house of Basha ben Achia. That is, those are two houses that we saw that were utterly wiped off the face of the earth and that, Yehu, is what I want you to do with Beit Achav, with the house of Ahab. So, this is uh, what Yehu has been told to do in the meantime, well, there's a little bit more on Jezebel. She gets her own prophecy. But I just want to go into the idea that if you recall back in the first three verses of this chapter, Elisha, he told the prophet, his his uh, disciple, he said, said, go to Yehu, son of Nimshi, and take a cruise of oil and pour it on his head. And say, so, so says the Lord, I have anointed you as king of Israel. And all of a sudden here, in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10, we see that, the disciple here does a lot more than what Elisha told him to do. He elaborates big time on what he was charged with doing. And it's one of two things. Uh, we said that Yonah, he himself is a heavy hitter prophet, and he was he had his own prophecy, and he elaborated what Elisha said on his own. But most likely, what is happening is that when, when the verses in beginning of chapter 9, what Elisha told uh his disciple, to anoint uh, Yehu, and that's it. He didn't go into detail. That's because many times the narrative, when you're talking Bible scripture, it doesn't want to repeat itself. So Elisha probably t- told Yonah all that. He told him the whole thing that we see here in our verses, but it, the scripture didn't reveal it to us because it wasn't necessary at the time. Chapter 1 and 2 and 3, uh, verse 1, 2 and 3 of this chapter, it was enough for Elisha to tell Yonah, go over and anoint a new prophet. And he obviously told them all the other stuff too, but it didn't go into it. Now, when Yonah is specifically in the middle of his action and anointing Yehu, now we elaborate on what Elisha told him. And that's probably more likely what happened. And that's very, very common in Scripture. Scripture doesn't want to repeat itself. So it's said in brevity in the, verse, in the first two verses what Elisha told Yonah to do to Yehu. But now that he's actually doing it, we get into much more detail. Okay, verse 10. 
And Jezebel, and verse 10 is interesting because Jezebel is so special in a bad way, okay? She's going to get her own prophecy, okay? Her own prophecy. And it says the dogs will eat Jezebel in the territory of Yisrael. The Enkover, and nobody will bury her. Okay? And we're going to see how that plays out. Jezebel is going to be so wiped. There won't be anything left of her. That's why there's nothing to bury. She's going to just be, uh, there'll be nothing left to bury. And it's going to be in Yisrael. Remember, that is uh, where Navot's field was, where they murdered Navot. So all that is measure for measure, right? And she will not get a burial, okay? And then it says in the continuation of verse 10, So he opened the door and he fled. And that's what Elisha told him to do. It's going to be a hit and run. This whole thing has to be hush-hush because in order for the the uh, revolt to catch, it's got to be as clandestine as possible because you don't want the king of the king of Israel, the present king Yoram, to know about it. Okay, so it says like this, verse eleven, and Yehu went out to his master's servants, and they said to him, "Is everything okay?" So, notice how they call these soldiers here that Yehu's going out to now, They're his master's servants. Okay, and that's important that terminology. These soldiers that Yehu's going back to, they're his soldiers, but they're really soldiers of his master. They're the soldiers of Yoram. Yehu is a, is, a, is, a, is a servant of Yoram. And so are these soldiers. They're servants of Yoram. And that makes this thing very complicated. Yehu doesn't know this thing's going to work. He doesn't know they're going to be loyal to him. They're the master's servants, these soldiers. And that's why the verse puts it that way, that it's a very precarious situation. You got to be real careful here. For, for this thing to work, Yehu has got to know. He's got this army on his side and he doesn't know it yet. So he comes out and they ask him, hey, uh, is everything okay? Hashalom? Hashalom? One word, right? Hashalom. And that means, is everything okay? Because, you know, they figure this prophet came in there. Maybe he's got some news about the war. Who, who knows what he came to talk to you about? They have no idea that he, <laughs> Yehu has just been anointed king of Israel. And then they say, and this is hilarious. They say, why did that crazy man come to you? They call the prophet a Meshugana. And why would they call Yonah, the disciple of Elisha, a Meshuga, a Meshugana? Why would they call him a crazy man? Well, when they saw him come in, they knew he was a prophet and he was called a Meshuga. And the, the commentators teach us that when the prophets got a prophecy, they had like an out-of-body experience and they would lose their worldly sensations and they'd kind of be unconscious to what was happening around them. So they looked like Meshugim, like crazy people, right? And, you know, they were often uh, made uh, mocked. And maybe they're mocking the prophet a little bit, you know, this, they call it a Meshugana. But that's what it was like to get a prophecy. Again, you're getting this kind of out-of-body experience and you're looking like a Meshugana, but, you know, the prophet doesn't care. He's, you know, he's with God, you know. He's, it's him and Hashem. And he's doing what he's got to do. So Yehu says, oh, you know, he doesn't admit to them what happened. And he said, you know the man and his speech. I mean, you know the prophet, you know, he's crazy. So Yehu doesn't want to reveal what happened. He doesn't want to reveal and say, hey, you know what, guys, I've just been made king of Israel. He he, he, um, doesn't give over the information. Why not? Well, the Mitzvah Datavitz is like this. And it's what we've been talking about all along. Yehu 
doesn't want everybody to know about it so quickly because he's got to make sure that this thing takes hold. The Mitzudatavit says, He was hiding it. He wanted to make sure that he had power in his hand. So yeah, was kind of keeping in hush-hush, even to these officers here, because if he just proclaims, I'm the new king, well, that's treason, right? He doesn't know how they're going to accept it. And then it says in verse 12, That's a lie. Don't tell us nothing happened. Hagid Nalanu, tell us. I mean, after all, the prophet singled you out. That Meshuggah, prophet, okay? He singled you out and everybody else. I mean, something happened. And then finally, after probably a lot of coaxing, Vayomer Kazot Kazot, and then finally Yehu admits, I have been anointed. Omar Eli, Komar Hashem Ashtachil Melch Yisrael. He finally told them, yeah, he said to me, thus says the Lord, I have anointed you as king of Israel. So Yehu admits it. I've just become the king of Israel. And now let's see the reaction of the officers. And they hastened. They each took his garment. And they put it under him. And they made like a makeshift st- stairs for him. In other words, they want to give him kavod. So they make a makeshift throne and a steps to, to a chair. And they make this throne for him. And they obviously uh, embrace Yehu as being their new king, and they sound the shofar, and they say, Yeshu, Yehu, is the new king. So yes, the uh, soldiers here are accepting Yehu, embracing him as the king. They're obviously not crazy about the present regime. And um, just a few uh, things to point out here, that... Um, you know, at, at, at the beginning here, they looked at the prophet as a madman. They're saying, why did this Meshuggah come to you? That's what they called him. Yet when Yehu said that this crazy man has made me the king of Israel, well, they they accept that. I mean, obviously they're taking this Meshuggah seriously, which shows that maybe they weren't mocking the prophet in the first place. They just called him that because he looked like a Meshuggah. But hey, they took him very seriously because they are uh, accepting Yehu as the new king. And it kind of shows the ambivalence they had in those days towards the prophets. On one hand, they were diminishing him, calling him a Meshuggah, yet they took him very seriously uh, when he anointed Yehu. Kind of like mixed feelings there about uh, the prophets of God. So they accept him as king. And we're going to look in our next year how Yehu is going to carry out this rebellion against the regime of Yoram, son of Ahab.